Welcome back to the Health Longevity Secret Show, and I'm your host, Dr. Robert Lufkin. Apolipoprotein E, or ApoE, is a protein involved in the metabolism of fats in the body of mammals. The ApoE4 subtype is the most well-known genetic risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. It is also implicated in cardiovascular disease, stroke, Parkinson's disease, Lewy body dementia, multiple sclerosis, and other aging-associated diseases. The underlying pathologic role of the APOE alleles may be understood in terms of their metabolic impact during aging, which has implications for optimizing our diet. Julie Gregory is the founder and president of the APOE4.info nonprofit, a grassroots organization of APOE4 carriers working to prevent and reverse Alzheimer's disease. Julie also serves as the chief health liaison for Apollo Health and shares her expertise through APOE4 Consulting, LLC. Julie recently teamed up with Dr. Dale Bredesen and his integrative physician wife, Ada Lachine Bredesen, MD, to share the diet and lifestyle strategies she uses in the book, the end of Alzheimer's program, the first protocol to enhance cognition and reverse decline at any age. And now, please enjoy this interview with Julie Gregory. Hi, Julie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, as, as founder of the APOE4 Info organization and and as Chief Health Liaison at Apollo Health, you're uniquely qualified to, to discuss some of the, the clinical applications and significance of the APOE4 allele. But, but before we do that, maybe we could just take a moment and, and hear a little bit about your, how you came to be interested in, in this fascinating area. That's a really great question. Um, my interest in Alzheimer's is very organic. So when I was about to turn 50, which was almost 10 years ago, I took part in genetic testing through 23andMe. And I learned that I carried two copies of the APOE4 allele, which, as you know, greatly increases my risk for developing Alzheimer's, um, somewhere around 50 to 90%. In fact, only 2% of the world's population has a risk as high as mine, a genetic risk as high as mine, although 25% of the world's population carries at least one copy of APOE4. So learning that information in retrospect was a very positive thing because I truly believe in looking back, it saved my life. I wasn't focused on my cognitive health at that time. But I should have been, because I was having more senior moments than was normal for a 50-year-old. And learning I was at high genetic risk caused me to take part in cognitive testing. So I did my first round of cognitive testing, and I was stunned when I scored in the mid-30th percentile for my age group. I fully expected I knew I was having some slips. 
I would occasionally get lost when I was driving on very familiar roads. I would have like a second or two where I didn't know where I was. I was running into people in the town where I'd lived for 20 years who knew me very well, and I had no idea who they were. I fumbled my way through those conversations trying to get away. So I expected my cognitive testing wouldn't be great. I thought maybe the 75th percentile, but I never got the mid-30th. So I repeated cognitive testing, and I got the same score. So at that point, I realized not only was I at risk for Alzheimer's, but the process had very likely begun. Um, I turned to the Alzheimer's Association for information. And this was back in 2012. And right on their website, they said Alzheimer's can't be prevented. It's untreatable. It's incurable. It's progressive. And most people are dead within 10 years of symptom onset. So as you could imagine, I was feeling nervous already. Well, now I'm terrified. So I still thought, this just can't be. I am only 50 years old. Surely there's something I can do. So I identified the best neurologist in my area, took a lot of courage for me to set up a visit, to meet with him, to tell him about my genetic risk and the symptoms I was having. And I asked him what I could do to prevent my symptoms from getting worse or to turn things around. You want to know what he said? He said, good luck with that. Wow. I know. So the bright light for me at this point was 23andMe provided forums where people who from all over the world were learning they were at high genetic risk for Alzheimer's could gather. And we did. And as you can imagine, they were an enormous emotional support to me because no one else understood that fear um, as much as someone who was also going through the same process. So we created a strong community. We became family. But we also turned to the science, and we began exploring the medical literature, consulting experts, reading every study we could get our hands on to figure out how we could turn things around. And over a period of time, a year or so, we had collected over 100 pages of discussion in which we were sharing scientific studies and so forth. And we recognized we were sitting on a treasure trove of APOE4 information that had never been collected before. So at that point, we decided to move our discussion to our own website, apoe4.info, where um, I created a nonprofit where we could continue gathering, exploring, and learning. And we're still doing that to to this day. But the most important part was that everything we were learning, I began to apply to my own life because I strongly believed that there were dietary patterns, lifestyle strategies, that there had to be something I could do to better support my brain. And that's what I was searching for. And so I dramatically changed my diet. At that time, I was eating a low-fat, high-carb diet. That's what my doctor told me to eat. That's what the USDA pyramid told me to eat. I was having lots of, you know, whole grains every day, and it led me to become insulin resistant. So through the pioneering work of Dr. Stephen Cunane and Dr. Mary Newport, you know, this is back those early days. I was recognizing that healthy fats could help me get into ketosis that could better fuel my brain. So I turned things around dramatically. I turned the food pyramid upside down. 
but I did it in a way that also supported my gut microbiome because we were also finding out there was this strong connection between our gut health and our brain health. And I recognize that fiber and a strong, healthy microbiome was also important. So I settled on a diet that was very high in non-starchy vegetables um, from every color in the rainbow, preferably local, seasonal, organic, and lots of healthy fats. Um, I also had an adequate amount of clean protein. And I did a lot of low mercury, wild-caught seafood because I recognized the importance of DHA. I did a lot of pastured eggs because I recognized the importance of choline. I also gave up a lot of foods. I should have mentioned that. I cut out all sugar. I cut out all simple carbohydrates. I cut out all grains. That was difficult. And I also cut out conventional dairy because um, I learned it was pretty inflammatory. And putting all these dietary things together, you know, it took time, but I really began to feel the benefits. Um, as I got into ketosis, I bioenergetically felt so much more stable. As someone with insulin resistance, I was on this up and down roller coaster with my blood glucose all day. And suddenly I had this steady supply of energy and I felt like my brain was on fire in a good way. So I also changed the way I exercised. At that point in my life, I was 20 pounds heavier than I am now, thanks to all those healthy, wholesome grains. And I had been engaging in a very stressful boot camp style exercise. Um, I lived near the University of Georgia at that time, and I was competing with 20-year-old college girls. And it was ridiculous. Um, it was very stressful. So when I learned I was an APOE4 homozygote and that I was fragile, began to exercise in a more supportive way, a calmer, more gentle way. I did daily four, five, six-mile walks in nature. Spending time in nature was very healing for me. Of course, I interspersed the walking with running. I did strength training three to four times a week, but it was just much more gentle to my body. I also focused on getting quality restorative sleep when I learned about the importance of sleep for brain health started meditating for the first time in my life, I began brain training. And I did something really stupid that I don't recommend. <laughs> I challenged myself to beat the score from the day before. So I did brain training every day. And if my score wasn't as good as the day before, I stuck with it until it was. And that was actually very stressful, which probably isn't necessary. But it was a great way to stimulate my brain and get new neurons connecting and firing. I began to pay attention to toxins in my environment. I was learning the water I drank, the air I breathed, um, the food I was eating, obviously, but even the cosmetics and um, sunscreen I was putting on my skin had potential toxins. So I identified the cleanest products I could find. I started taking targeted supplements. Curcumin was the first one. And when I took that, it was like a fog lifted and rainbows came out. And I think that speaks to the high amount of inflammation I probably had in my brain and throughout my body. But I learned about the power of targeted supplements. I also started taking um, DHA, vitamin D, and some other targeted supplements. 
I also began tracking some biomarkers as I learned about their relevance to cognition. Started tracking my blood glucose, my HbA1c, my fasting insulin, my homocysteine, my vitamin D. And if things weren't good, I worked on them until they until they were. About a year later, I repeated the cognitive testing, and my scores were in the mid 90th percentile for my age group. So. I'm proof that, yes, Alzheimer's can be prevented, and maybe in the very early stages, we can even turn things around. Um, Fast forward to 2014, I read Dr. Bredesen's seminal paper, Reversal of Cognitive Decline, a novel therapeutic program, and as you can imagine, it just blew me away, because in a small way, it was validation of the journey that I've been on. As you know, Dr. Bredesen used strategies very similar to those that I and members of the APOE4.info community had been using, and he was able to reverse cognitive decline in nine out of 10 of the case studies. So I reached out to Dr. Bredesen that same day, and I was stunned when he emailed me back almost immediately, and we got on the phone and spoke to one another, and He was so interested in my story, but he was also very interested in the work that I was doing with APOE4.info. And we've been working together um, in one way or another ever since, basically spreading this message of of hope. That's that's a beautiful story. I have to ask, how how is your health now today? Right. You know what? I My health is better than at any other time in my adult life, and my cognition's very sharp to this day, 10 years later, when the Alzheimer's Association told me I'd be dead. So I'm still here. I'm doing very well. Um, that being said, I'm on the protocol for life, and um, I think addressing cognitive decline is a lot like peeling back the layers of an onion. So as we find one driver, we learn another. And by partnering with Dr. Bredesen, he helped me find other things that I hadn't yet begun to address. He helped me realize I had a 15-year-old babesiosis infection. It's a Lyme disease co-infection that was actually pretty acute. I've recently learned I'm dealing with mold. So the journey continues. I continue to explore all these new things. I'm responding very well to all the treatment. My cognition's holding and my health is really good, you know, despite the fact that I'm offering new drivers. And I'm actually very grateful for being on that journey. Yeah, that's such a great concept that this is a a journey. It's not a the, the prevention, it's, it's really a lifelong, uh, a lifelong journey that we all take. And, and um, it, it's not a, a simple diet that you go on and then you go off, but it's really a lifestyle change that we embrace. I mean, are, are you on, you're following all these things today then, correct? Of course. And I will until the day that I die. But the benefits are so amazing that it's easily self-sustaining. It's not a hardship to practice the protocol. It just becomes your lifestyle. And you feel so good. There's no reason not to practice it. And really, you know, all these additional things that I'm uncovering and addressing, well, we should all be optimizing our health every day and identifying and, you know, addressing all of these things that can be impacting our health. 
Yeah, I, I love your comments about the inflammation and reducing the inflammation with, with these uh, prevention tools. And, and I, I loved reading about APOE4 and the idea that the APOE4 allele is actually the oldest ancestral allele that, for this particular uh, lipoprotein that we have. So the, the, our ancestors all had APOE4 but it was believed to be, do you know the, yeah, go ahead if you want to talk about it or I can. Uh, well, well APOE4 was protective certainly at that point because it's pro-inflammatory. So as we came out of the trees and began stepping on dung and getting cuts in our feet and all this, APOE4 carriers were better protected. And it wasn't until recently, actually, that other APOE genotypes began to emerge. So APOE4 is the ancestral allele. I believe it certainly confers benefits to this day, or it would not persist it in the population. I think we're learning that as long as you avoid insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome, APOE4 can be very positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I just, I remember reading another paper about the distribution of the APOE4 alleles relative to the distribution of grain in the fertile crescent and the tigris and Euphrates, because when grain came on, it increased the, uh, the inflammation and um, affected us that way. But, uh, but yeah, yeah you know, that's when APOE2 came onto the scene. So that's a pretty strong argument for APOE4 carriers to avoid grain. We have millennia's worth of proof that we can thrive on a uh, non-grain diet that still includes plenty of plants. And that's essentially what I've returned to, I think, a very ancestral way of eating and a very ancestral way of, of living. Yeah, yeah. And, and what you're doing as an APOE4 carrier, I think, would you say even applies to non-carriers just as overall prevention for Alzheimer's disease for, for everyone. Absolutely. If those of us at this extraordinarily high risk can benefit from this approach, everybody can. Yeah. Yeah. That, that absolutely makes sense. Before you mentioned the testing that you had, uh, when you first realized you were an APOE4 year, you mentioned one, one uh, company, 23andMe, there are several other consumer-facing ones out there like Ancestry.com and others we'll put in the show notes. Are there any that you recommend or that you recommend not using? Can, can any, any, uh, any testing work if, if someone's interested in finding out their own information? Yeah, there's lots of different ways. A lot of direct-to-consumer genetic testing now that can give you that information. You can also ask your physician to run the test. You know, it's offered by Quest and by LabCorp. If you do that, however, you need to be aware that that information is entered into your medical records. Um, and it, you could be discriminated against getting long-term care insurance. So that's something to think about. And it may be more of a reason for consumers to directly get the information themselves um, and share it with their physicians as, as necessary. Um, but any physician can order the test, as you know. And, and many 
I'm talking to talking to many people when they order the test privately, they'll often use an assumed name or de-identify themselves. Um, although, of course, it doesn't de-identify the DNA SNPs that they have, but which, but but at least as far as tracking that, that removes one thing. People may want to do that for confidentiality reasons. Like right. you say, and, uh, we should mention um, a lot of. Um, uh, cardiology testing, a lot of that blood testing like Boston Heart and those automatically uh, identify your APOE status, whether people want to know or not. So a lot of people learn their APOE4 carriers through doing advanced lipid testing. So yeah. that's another way. Yeah, yeah. And as we mentioned in the introduction, the APOE4 allele is not only a risk factor for Alzheimer's disease, but also other things like Parkinson's disease and stroke and cardiovascular disease and many of the diseases that we're seeing with, with the sort of metabolic unhealth that we have. So uh, yeah, it could be tested for in a lot of different situations, but certainly on the heart test, uh, we see it there as well. Um, this, tell me about the uh, apoe4.org. This this is a great organization. Um, what uh, what sort of things do you provide for the, your members? Is it you know is it political? Do you have to have apoe4 to join? Do you do scientific research? What what role do you play? So um, it's apoe4.info, although I think we own apoe4.org as well. <laughs> so there's okay, a sorry. To get to we'll it. correct that in the show notes, make sure that everybody has the correct link. <laughs> right. so, um, so our primary focus is to learn all we can about the APOE4 allele, how it impacts health, and most importantly, how we can intervene to mitigate the pathological effects. Um, to that end, we are uh, about to announce a new project where we're going to introduce a metabolomic platform where our members can continue their N of 1 uh, research, um, but they can see on a cellular level how their diet and lifestyle strategies are affecting their health. And by collecting this uh, metabolomic information, we hope to create a longitudinal open access data set that not only members of our community can mine to try to figure out which strategies lead us to vibrant health, but that members of the research community can mine as well. Um, wow, so that's a great, great yeah. project. Um, yeah. You've probably, you, you may be familiar with Dave Feldman's uh, project on citizen science, uh, where it's, it's also a nonprofit, but they have a, an interesting thing with labs uh, called uh, own my own my labs.com or org. We'll put it in the show notes, but basically, individuals can get their lab work done through that website through LabCorp or Quest, but they can, if they choose to make their data available to the community anonymized, of course, they get a discounted rate on their labs. And then uh, Dave and uh, Siobhan, his co-worker or colleague, um, periodically public that, uh, publish that into make it open source, all the data so that anyone can mine it that way. But what you have with the apoe4.info community is a, is a wonderful resource of 
probably more APOE4 people together in one spot than than any you know any single research group. Right. Um, I, I should mention Dave is an APOE4 carrier. He's a member of our community and he's oh. been a speaker at one of our conferences. I think he's done a podcast with us before as well. Um, and he's a, a wonderful example of a citizen scientist. And we're kind of following the same model. So we're offering the metabolomic testing at a very discounted rate um, as long as people agree to uh, allow their information to be shared. Um, into this data set. And we're very excited. Members of our board have just done the first round of testing. It was eye-opening and we're excited to launch it to our entire community. Wow, um, that's, yeah. that's I think, great. I think we're gonna learn a lot. Yeah, and one thing you consider, I'm my background is in radiology. And so I, I involved in a lot of the medical imaging side. We're thinking, we're talking, reaching out to Dave about doing a medical version of citizen science or do it with citizen science to have the people could upload their images in an anonymized form to databases like that. But you could do it with your images, uh, your your people's images on apoe4.info, all their MRs of their brains for hippocampal atrophy uh, could be included there yeah, as well. Yeah, we to collect cognitive testing, we plan to collect data on the diets they're using, the lifestyle strategies they're using, the supplements they're taking. You know, we're going to collect as much data as we can and correlate that against the metabolomics. Um, and we think some interesting stuff will emerge. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. That's, <laughs> that's fascinating. So from, so it sounds like from the from the results you've gotten personally and from the work that you've seen in the literature what what are the main recommendations again if you had to hit them on bullet points for for alzheimer's prevention that that you've found so effective and you you would recommend those for all your all certainly the members of the APOE, the members of the APOE4.info community, but also for anyone interested in Alzheimer's prevention. Maybe you could just uh, review those for us. Yeah, so I think that um, having a clean diet is extraordinarily important. Properly fueling your brain, avoiding insulin resistance. Um, there's probably multiple ways to get to that point, but I described the diet that I'm doing. Um, earlier, it's now called the KetoFlex 12-3 diet. Um, and this is something that Dr. Bredesen and his wife, Dr. Aida Lachine Bredesen and I put together. Um, I helped them write the book, The End of Alzheimer's Program, where we describe the diet and lifestyle strategies in great detail. I wrote the center part of that book, which is a handbook, which is the how-to for diet and lifestyle. So, um, so the diet I described earlier is a diet that I would recommend to prevent um, cognitive decline. But I think we also can't underestimate the importance of exercise. You know, daily aerobic exercise, strength training three to four times a week, um, restorative sleep seven to eight hours every single night. So important to rule out sleep apnea. So many people have that and don't recognize it. So it's important that your oxygenation throughout the night is pretty similar to the amount of oxygen that you're getting throughout the day. Um, stress is huge. Um, we talk about many, many different ways that people can 
um, counteract the stress that they're exposed to. We can't stop ourselves from being exposed to stress, unfortunately, but we can change the way we react to it. So for me, learning mindfulness, learning meditation just made a huge difference. We also think everyone should stimulate their brains. We all need to engage in lifelong learning. There's this uniquely American thing where you retire and you sit in a recliner and watch TV. That's the exact opposite of what we should be doing. You know, we work our entire adult lives and retirement is a time to focus our time and energy on things that fuel our passion. So learn a new language and travel to that country. Learn a musical instrument and join a rock band, like whatever inspires you. So brain training is one thing you can do, but there's many, many other things you can do to keep your brain stimulated. I mentioned earlier the importance of avoiding toxins. Um, we're now learning that tick-borne illnesses and mold, both of which are things that have affected me, and they've affected a majority of the population, and most of us aren't aware. Um, in addition to breathing dirty air, drinking dirty water, um, using chemicals on our skin that aren't clean, there's an app of the Environmental Working Group app, the Skin Deep database that I like, that I check all my cosmetics and all my toiletries, my toothpaste, my sunscreen, my moisturizer to make sure I'm doing the cleanest thing that I can. And then I think taking targeted supplements is really important. Um, and you'll notice that's the last strategy that I recommend because supplements are supplemental. Um, and ideally, we should all be getting the nutrients we need through our diet. But our soils are depleted of, nu of nutrients, and it's becoming more and more difficult. And so by checking your blood values, you can learn which supplements are important for you to be taking. Yeah, those are great concepts. And, and just to underscore the point about retirement, too, that's and <laughs> as we increase longevity, we're quickly approaching the period that many of us will be seeing a retire quote, if you quote, retire at age 65, you could be seeing a retirement age equal to or longer than the time you actually worked, you know, which is unsustainable economically, but also the idea of, of, you know, life is to be lived and do fun things that you're passionate about and have a purpose rather than just, uh, you know, as you say, sitting idle, um, waiting to die. <laughs> and that's the worst thing we can do. We've got to keep those neurons firing, create neuroplasticity. So, Really Absolutely. Yeah. So, so with, with uh, APOE4.info and with Apollo group, what, what ways are you spreading the words about Alzheimer's disease prevention? Right. Well, I'm still running the nonprofit now. Um, I think you mentioned I'm working for Apollo Health as their chief health liaison. I help translate Dr. Bredesen's science into clinical practice. And so I'm serving as a protocol educator um, I helped Dr. Bredesen and his wife write the New York Times bestselling end of Alzheimer's program. <laughs> I think we're going to be writing a book together um, that takes a deeper dive into the whole food part. Because even though I think we devoted 100 pages of a 300-page book to diet, people need more. So I think we're going to end up doing a cookbook together. And we also want to write a simplified version of the protocol. Um, with the end of Alzheimer's program, we tried to do that, 
but lots of people in like the um, in their 70s and 80s are reading the book and they're like, um, it's nice, but I don't really know what you're saying. So we need a simplified version and we recognize that. For instance, my uh, mother um, is excited to have the book, but I don't think that she's read it or she understands it. So we know we have more work to do to simplify our messaging. Um, and I'm very passionate about spreading the word. Had I followed the advice that I got from the Alzheimer's Association back in 2012 and my neurologist, I probably wouldn't be here today. Um, and I think my story provides hope that there is a lot we can do and we need to become actively engaged in our health as early as possible. You know, we need to weave cognitive health into our health plan so that I think even children should be tested for APOE status. I would have loved to have known that my son was an APOE4 carrier before he engaged in extreme skateboarding and had multiple concussions. Um, I think that teenagers should be educated about how drugs and alcohol can affect their brain potentially for life, how high-impact sports can affect their brains getting injuries, um, can affect you later on. Um, I think there's so much that we can do in terms of educating the public and even the medical community. Um, you know, the pathology behind Alzheimer's takes a decade at least before symptoms show, and most likely it takes several decades. That's a long prodromal period. So we need to intervene much, much sooner so that we can make this a rare disease. Yeah, abs absolutely. Um, the, and, and just to, to highlight what you said about the message too, it's, it's, uh, this disease sadly is so widespread. It affects everyone at all different, all different levels in the community and educational levels. So to get the message out, it needs to be delivered not only with you know scientific articles heavily referenced with technical data, for some people will need to read that. Other people will need a more simplified version, and some people will need just basically the bullet points. But they can all they can all learn from this, and the message needs to be delivered to everyone. And to underscore another point you made about the Alzheimer's Disease Association and the medical establishment today it's still this message has not been been it's not reaching the number of people it should uh we we just interviewed on this program i mean as you mentioned your papers with dale bredesen randomized prospective controlled mm -hmm. studies showing alzheimer's disease symptoms can be reduced and and reversed in these patients with appropriate protocols we also interviewed um, Matt Phillips as a neurologist in New Zealand. He just published a randomized perspective crossover controlled st uh, study on a ketogenic diet in six weeks showed improvement in Alzheimer's disease symptoms. Yet today in nursing homes everywhere in the world, people with Alzheimer's disease are fed refined carbohydrates and sugars and uh, we've, we've known for over a decade that from Mary Newport's work and others that, uh, you know, this can be a significant effect. So um, 
there's a lot of work to be done in this yeah. area. And yeah. fighting and um, uphill battle. But that being said, you know, the medical community has an established delivery system. They have these appointments with a physician that last about five to six minutes. And then at the end of which time you're given a prescription. And this really is a matter of educating people. It's about changing your diet, about changing your whole lifestyle. So it's not something that can be done in a five to six minute visit. So we need to change our delivery system so that we can spread this information. And that's why I'm so happy that you're doing this summit, Rob, and that you're helping to spread the word. I'm so passionate about this. Um, and I really appreciate that you're getting the word out there. Well, it's, it, it, it's such, a, such an important time in Alzheimer's disease because the, we're, we're beginning to understand how effective these treatments can be. And, and now it, it's in addition to continuing that even more, it's a matter, now a matter of getting the message out of what we already know, as you've shown in yourself, your own life, you, you've turned your own cognitive impairment around. It's, it's really remarkable and um, it's inspiring to hear, hear your story. Julie, what advice would you give to others that are concerned about uh, cognitive impairment or preventing Alzheimer's disease, whether or not they have the APOE4 allele, or maybe they haven't been tested for it. You know what? I would tell them not to believe mainstream medicine because your local physician and your local neurologist may tell you it can't be prevented and there's nothing you can do, um, but nothing could be farther from the truth. So take your health into your own hands. We've created a blueprint for you. Um, the end of Alzheimer's program, the uh, programs offered by Apollo Health, the information you're sharing today, we're helping to spread the word, to get the word out there. So I think people should adopt a brain-healthy lifestyle as early as possible. Just and just one, one question. I wonder, it all, I always wonder, as this information becomes more available with scientific studies, why, why do you think mainstream medicine isn't more uh, accepting of this? Why, why aren't they serving ketogenic diets in nursing homes and, you know, doing simple things? Why is it medicine all over this? Why the, why the pushback? Why the resistance? Any, any insights yeah, on that? I think there's some territorialism. Um, I think there's a lot of big pharma corporations that are very focused on developing the drug and that if you acknowledge to other areas of academia are having some success that takes away from your possible success. Um, I would encourage all researchers, big pharma included mainstream medicine to forget about the territorialism and please put the patient first. We know enough that we should be spreading this message far and wide. And believe me, if Big Pharma comes up with a drug, I'll be the first to take it if it, if it works. But I probably would continue the diet and lifestyle because I just feel so good doing it. Um, we know it's a multifactorial disease. We know there's many, many different drivers. So it's very unlikely that a monotherapeutic, a single drug, is ever going to have um, a tremendous amount of benefit. 
So I wish everyone could work together and just put the patient first. Um, unfortunately, um, that isn't happening now. Yeah, and and while as you say, there is no drug um, that uh, reverses the symptoms, uh, the the Alzheimer's disease. But the best we can do is slow the rate at which it progresses, at least according to the FDA. But there are still drugs being sold, and like one one cynical viewpoint about Alzheimer's disease that I've heard is that. Um, it's more profitable to give a per. I'm, I'm sorry, a cynical viewpoint about diabetes. I've heard it's more profitable to give a type two diabetic a prescription for insulin than it is to instruct them to avoid carbohydrates and remove the need for extra insulin as the drug. And but like you're saying, there there's territorialism, there's completing interests, and it's a it's a complex system. But but it's a system that needs to change, and uh, hopefully. By doing things like this and other things, we can get the message message out there. How how can people reach you, Julie, on social media or follow you? We're going to put everything in the show notes, but for some of our audience, will be listening to this in an audio form. Could you just tell us uh, the the websites or the ways to reach you? So please, if you're an APO E4 carrier, or even if you're not, if you're concerned about cognitive decline consider joining our community at apoe4.info. We've partnered with the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, uh, and we've got interns that greet each new member and help walk them through the community and show them our resources. When I was a newly identified APOE4 carrier and terrified, there was a complete lack of information. And so I'm so proud that we've created this resource. So no APOE4 carrier or anyone concerned about Alzheimer's disease has to feel alone. So please reach out, aproe4.info, whether you're an aproe4 carrier or not. Um, I'm also pretty active on Dr. Bredesen's Facebook page. We do weekly or every two-week Facebook uh, live, so please join us there. Um, Consider joining the Apollo Health community. Um, They offer two programs, one for prevention, one for reversal. And I'm also very active there, and I help run a forum there as well. So please, whatever method works for you, whether it's reading a book, joining a community, you know, um, using a program like Apollo Health offers, whatever it takes, just begin working on your cognitive health now. I promise your older self will thank you. Thank you so much, Julie. It's been it's been wonderful to spend an hour with you today and get to know you better. And and thanks again for being on this program and for for all the great work you're doing. Thank you so much, Ralph. Take care. No, this is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking of it because of something you have seen here. If you find this to be of value of you, please hit that like button and subscribe to support the work we do on this channel. Also, we take your suggestions and advice very seriously. Please let us know what you'd like to see on this channel. Thanks for watching and we'll hope to see you next time!